every podcast I say I'm a youth mentor I'm actually creating my own foundation brand brand new this year for me because I have an entrepreneur mindset I want to tackle the things that people haven't tackled so for instance getting the actual premises like really going for it so I've got a local petition that I'm starting you can find it on change.org which is basically turning the old NatWest building on Acton High Street to a youth community complex uh, so I just started a great idea to have a crowdfunding campaign in my local area so go and support us we've got a page and a link for that that's it and, and I would say to every one of you here don't sit around relying upon magically some government going to create an environment that's going to make it easy for you to find work and find jobs you've got to go out there and fight for it if you want something bad enough you do it not helpful right I mean you don't find that a helpful answer but you're going to control your destiny I'm telling you no one else is going to do it not unless you've got a rich dad have you got a rich dad? A rich uncle? No, well then that's it. You're going to have to do it yourself. Welcome to the Desire to Inspire podcast. I'm Jerome and I'm here, you know, just talk about what I do, why I do it. And it's for entrepreneurs and people that do business and like-minded individuals. Um, here I share knowledge, drop a lot of gems. Um, if you take, you know, action on even 20% of what I say, um, you know, you can make some sort of change in your life. And the reason why I put Ali in the beginning, obviously because I'm reading his book, but he's like one of the biggest inspirations. So I thought, let me put him there about just going for it. Like, you know, no one's going to come to your house and change your life. you got to work your ass off. You have to really, really take the hits and the fools and the pushes and, and persevere and have thick skin to really get anywhere. And that's just, that's just the bluntness and the frankness of what it really takes to be successful in business and in life. Um, so now, you know, I want to put this stuff in there to kind of get people on the same wave that I'm on on a daily basis. Um, so obviously every day I talk about the book that I'm reading and the book that I'm reading is called What You See Is What You Get by Island Sugar. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the part that I highlighted because some of the book I haven't even um, found anything that's valuable to share. But this one is really, really key. The company seemed to run smoothly for a while, but very soon humours were rife within the industry that all these personalities and egos have having problems in terms of power. So that resonated with me because that's just a natural thing. I don't think we can ever get away from ego, right? And there's a book called, and I always, always dropping books, but there's a book called um, Ego is the Enemy and it's so key in terms of like, what ego is, you know, ego is, for me, when I hear the word ego, it's confidence, right, you have to be confident, you have to be sure of yourself, sometimes people can mistake your confidence for arrogance, and when you work in a, in a, in a role, where you work in a position, this, this inferiority complex can always take a toll on terms of working in a team, and, and the dynamics of a team, so I think it's so key to have a team where you respect each other, you respect each other's voice and opinion, and you try your best. It's not easy to coexist in the same space and work together. And yeah, that's what that's what a successful partnership is. Um, there's no ruler; everybody's equal. And you know, when you feel yourself getting a bit of you know ego, or feel yourself feeling like, yeah, man, I'm kind of pushing my weight a little bit. Kind of speak to yourself and push yourself down because even me, like I have ego. I love power. I love control. Like I like it, but the misuse of it can can have uh, really bad damage 
because um, I like it. I like being driven. I like taking control. I like having control. Um, not over people, but over things happening. So if I'm trying to do something and I feel like we're not consistent, just an example, in a certain way, I'm going to go out my way to say, okay, why we're not consistent? Let's make a plan to not be. And it, there's always a positive outcome. It's not like I'm trying to force anyone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And that's the biggest thing, the biggest gripe I have with people is that I'm, I, I, I'm a certain way. No one needs to pull me up about certain things. Or I just expect people to be like that, right? And especially people that are in communication with me. You know, because your circle of influence and the people you're around is so, so key and crucial to your success. So, yeah, that's what I got from that book, man. It's so, so inspiring. So, these are my notes for the day that I got. And, um, you know, I was really thinking about the background to my mentoring, like why I'm doing it, how does that connect to, you know, my goals and stuff like that. So, for me... um, I feel like once I read Start With Why by Simon Sinek, he said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So I always knew I wanted to, you know, work with the youth and help the youth in the future. But why? What is that about? You know, it's really about passing down knowledge and obviously giving the youth them a great upbringing. So for me, I keep saying it all the time, I never had an Uncle Jerome, you know. So the fact that I am Jerome and I'm an uncle and I'm a big cousin or whatever it is, I feel like it's a duty of care to give them stuff. And, you know, the other day I was telling my niece, like, I'll help you open a nail shop. I'm telling my sister, her mum, about Forex trading. Like, my my thing is really about the family. So most people, obviously, I speak to a family, so I'll give them a lot of the stuff that come to my head and the stuff I'm doing, and they're around me the most. Um, but, yeah, man, like, the mentoring journey really is just realising my right, responsibility as an adult. Like I said it to my friend the other day, like we don't want to get to a point where the older generation are wiped out. Like they're getting old. Like my dad is 61, my mom is 56. Like, do you know what I mean? They're grandparents, they're getting old. So, you know, it sounds sad to say and very sinister, but eventually they're going to get wiped out and then the olders are going to have the responsibility, right? Whether you want it or not, that's just how it works. One generation goes and one comes in, you know. But what are we feeding the next generation that's coming under us? Are we giving them the right knowledge? Are we making sure that they're real key on money? Are we giving them like, you know, stuff that they can fall back on like a business, like a, you know, entrepreneurship is so key to me because you ain't going to fire yourself. You create something that could last for generations to come. You got pass on assets and business to the next generation. So for me, my key is my network, right? I got people that are doing sport programs, right? That come from the same background I come from. There's people that are doing money management that come from the background that come from they're my friends right so why can't my niece and nephews benefit of my network or just anything I'm creating I really want the, the children to be really good with money like know that the concept and how you think about money can be altered and changed and that could really have a effect on your future the way you think about money so for me you know again some of this stuff hits home so it's like if I feel like I'm not doing enough and I'm just going to focus on me 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 and then look back and think, oh man, the worst thing is regret, right? I think, oh, I could have done, I should have done this, and I had this. And I'm like, look, we ain't got time for that. For me, I want every idea I think about, I want to at least try it, right? Um, it might not be able to take it as far as you want to take it, but at the end of the day, you've done it. And at the end of the day, like, people talk and don't do nothing. So at the end of the day, at least you do and you learn. So there's no harm in trying. There's literally no harm in trying. But um, yeah, man, like, all I can say is that my journey is tied into me growing up as a young black male and trying to inspire the future young black boys, you know, that are going to turn into men in, in some form. 
um, and being part of that, changing the status quo of a young black male. We ain't got to die and go to jail early. We ain't got to just sell drugs. Like that's just not what we're born to do, right? Find your gift, find your talent and nurture that and, and find yourself a good circle. Um, build it your self-esteem, build it your confidence. Like all of this stuff, man, like analyzing myself as a child and got little brothers, I'm, I'm analyzing their life at what point I was. And it's just like all of reflection time, right? But I feel to go forward, you've got to go back. You've got to look back at our history to where we got today to help the youth of today. So my whole thing is that when the young people are getting stabbed, like close to home, like my brother's friends, my my nephew's friends, and it's just it just really hits home because that could that could easily be a family member. God forbid, touch wood. I've never had any anything happen to me. No knife crime, but it can easily happen. If it wasn't the friend, it could have been my nephew. It could have been my cousin. I was like, we can't wait until something happens to us, like in our family, to stand up and take charge. I believe that it does take a village to raise a child, and every child, every boy. Um, every young person should be my responsibility. That's how I look at it anyway. Everyone should think like that because that's the reality. It takes a village to raise a child and that's what I'm saying. Everyone should be nurtured with the same love and care and respect and support to support them through their adolescence life and give them the right direction. So my responsibility as an as a, as a, as a elder um, and, the, and the positive influence of just of older people around me growing up then I thought, right, like one day, I didn't think that at the time, but I thought, right, one day I'm going to be something for another young person. Like, So that's my whole ethos is like, be be the change you want to see in the world. You know, you might not change the world forever, but do something, do one thing at least you can do today. And that was now working with the youth every day, all the time, you know, looking at the world they're in. Because you don't know, if you've got a job, you're like away, like you don't really know what the kids are going through unless you have a conversation with them. Unless you kind of know what's going on in adult life and then they're kind of comparing it to the times we're in. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thought process about today was why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? And what's my 20-year plan? I've got a 20-year plan. I'm in an industry where most people are in their 40s to 50s. Most people are so far removed in terms of generation that they can't relate to a child or a young person that's growing up in the early 2000s or born in the mid 2000s, you know. So in terms of me, who was a teenager then, it's easier for me to relate to them. So I feel like I'm fundamental in schools, just young people, not just black people, young people, young men are just so key to work in schools. And I just encourage anybody, even if it's just volunteer, even if it's part time, do something because it matters. It matters to the children more. Um, it matters to the staff. The staff love it. One of one of the biggest things I always get was like, "Oh man, a man, a god, another man!" Like you know, so it starts as early as primary into secondary. But there are more secondary male staff members. But men need to be around. Boys need to see men around. Uh, boys need to see men in their community, in their homes, um, in their schooling. And if they don't have it, naturally, automatically, even if you don't think it does, it matters. If they don't have it at home, they look for it in school. School is they're there every day, Monday to Friday, every day, all the time. They're looking for that conversation, there's someone to relate to. Um, so it's so key. That is so key and fundamental. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man, right now. Obviously, we're going through a pandemic or whatever, but I always want to keep my spirits high, keep myself focused and keep positive. Um, and that's that's like my main, my main focus every day, you know, so... Yeah, man, I just want to basically drop two more gems, two more books, and then I'll keep it short and sweet. So I've got two stuff that I'm looking at and reading in terms of, like, 
uh, getting knowledge for the background of what I'm doing. And the disclaimer, I'm not trained and educated in the subject, but I believe what I'm doing, the youth mentorship, is nothing you can just sit in a book and read. It's something that's in you. Um, but you still need a foundation. And my foundation is just having conversations with people, finding my, my knowledge through stuff they say. So one of the books was a book that I was talking about what I do and, so, and talking about the youth from working in primary into secondary. And then this guy, he was a black guy actually. And um, he said to me, um, yeah, he said to me that basically his wife works in a school and she had to read a book called Gifted in Primary, Failing at Secondary. And this book is so, so key. It's actually a very small book, an easy read. And um, it's written by Nile Myers, right? And he was a maths teacher and stuff. And he's obviously analysing the black boys and looking at kind of how they grew up. And when you're in a school, you see a lot, man. It's crazy. Um, even myself, man, like I've seen it already, like in terms of the low ability in the black boys, in terms of the attention um, that the teachers really focused on the upbringing of them in the staff room. But if I look at, yeah, it's, it's good, like parental involvement, the support, the lack of support. I remember my nephew made a quote on Facebook saying that, what's the difference? The biggest difference is the lack of support. Um, one of them is this, the lack of males. There's a few, there's a few things, but I'm highlighting a few ideas and a few notes from the book. It's very, very good. I'm at the end now. I'm at the... Um, where am I? I'm in the secondary part. Solutions and models for success. So they go into the strategies and what you could use. Um, so it's very big, um, very key. And I feel like that's why I started in primary because that's where it starts. If you've got issues, not at home, but if you've got issues in school and home in the primary ages, because primary is primary for a reason. It's the start. So if you can really work on the youth from five to 11, then the teenage years is running smooth. But it does, you know, I haven't got a child yet, but it does take a lot of work and effort to get them through that period, even just under five. I remember my cousin telling me, like, it's hard to raise any child under five, you know. But once they go into the education system, that's a lot of time. So the first section for them to even get to higher education, because that's my ethos, is like kids go to primary, they have problems throughout their life in the community, in their home. And then by the time they get to, in age, they get to higher education, They've sometimes a lot of the black boys have failed the system. I have a thing called let's get to 21, meaning that a lot of the black youth are dying at 17, 18, 19. They're not even reaching 21. So to reach 21 in this day and age, man, you have to really be scraping, scraping it because a lot of the youth are dying young. They're not reaching 21. So I feel like having a program that will start from literally primary, secondary, all the way up to 21, the early 20s, really gearing up with life skills workshops, giving them the mentorship and the support they need if they want to make change. This is this is, this is is a mutual thing. It's not like we're going to create a program and force the children to do it. This whole thing is based on data, it's based on conversations, and it's based on the children's actual interests. What do you want to do? Why don't you like this? We're, we're engaging with the young people to support them. That's the whole point. We don't think we know what they need. We don't know. We're adults. We have to go there and have the conversations. We have to know what's going on in their life around them. So that's so key. And one more book I'm going to drop on you guys. Again, I love reading. I love reading stuff that I what I can learn and apply. Even more important than reading a storybook. So that's that book. I need to finish it. I'm near the end anyway. And the black man wrote this book as well. So I like, you know, the people that have read it have done all the research and they've been there and they're giving to you. And you can really look at the education system as a whole and how you can support young black people. Um, so 
yeah, I've got another book here. It's called Motivating Black Males to Achieve in Life and in School. And this one is deep. This goes into the main thing is just uh, the lack of biological fathers in the home. Uh, the amount of the rise in broken families because people aren't loving each other. The rise in um, you know, black marriages. There's not a lot of uh, black couples that are staying together. Um, so this guy here, he's an American guy actually. This guy wrote this book. And I, um, I think I went online somewhere on YouTube or whatever and it said um, the video title was Counting the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys. And I think um, it's so key. And I remember going to, um, this is recently actually, just to have a week going to um, Black Kids Matter Zoom, which was like loads of the leaders and loads of people that work. And they've done a lot of work. But again, I've seen the same common thread. I see in the schools, everybody's old. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, someone young like me or people in the early 20s that I've seen, they haven't got the financial overhead. They haven't got the the responsibility of having a child and all this stuff. So they can put all the time and attention into building a foundation. So my whole ethos is to change two things, to make sure that every school in from primary to secondary have 50% males, 50% females, right? And every primary and secondary schooling has young people for young people. So people in their early 20s, maybe NQTs, onto people in their early 30s, right? I'm actually late, <laughs> you know, it'll be more like early to mid 20s, the people that be working with the young people. So in this book anyway, it talks about all of the problems and how we can really solve them. Um, having the, again, the male role models in the school, in the community where they live, in their home, in their family, and how that plays a, a massive, massive part in their upbringing. So like I said, if I could use, you know, my job to influence young people and help them, if I could try my best, I might not do, do everything right, you know, but I'm always gonna try, support my niece and nephews and my little cousins through their teenage and adolescence, early 20s. And these books are the foundation, you know? So this, this section here says, do I see myself as a number one uh, determinant of black male student of success or failure? Am I passionate about my role as a teacher of a black male student? So this is more about young black males and black boys and, and black, male, black staff members. Um, it's a very, very interesting read. Again, just like the gifted in primary, failing at secondary, I, I made a lot of notes. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see the dynamic, man, because if you think about it, there's a lot of black males in jail. The, the school to prison pipeline is real, right? And they're trying to stop, there's this lady actually trying to stop exclusions completely. The stuff I've seen is crazy, man. Like people are getting taken off the education register list and it's, it's difficult because if you've got like trauma, for instance, I've got a cousin who dad died when he was young. I don't know. I never sat down and had a conversation. The, the emotional trauma he had from just not growing up with a dad at all and, you know, not getting, not being able to fill that void and not being able to get the support because I can only speak for black people that I know. I don't know everybody in the world, but we don't really want to go to therapy. We don't want to, you know, go and talk about our problems and, you know, get help from people outside, you know, and I feel that's needed. Again, it is a village to raise a child and sometimes that village might be out of your family, right? But I feel now we're in the best day and age ever because people care more about mental health and care more about uh, the well-being of children now than ever. Um, so if you have a broken home, for instance, you you know, you're with somebody, and then like things just don't work out, um, you split up and now you have to co-parent, that affects the child more than the adult. Yes, you know, people are in love and they, they have to separate and obviously the the living situation, it makes it difficult for you to move on and stuff like that. But 
I've seen it. The children get affected way, way, way more. They want mummy. They want daddy. They want people together. And it's just, it's tough. Even, I would even speak for myself. Like, that's what every child wants. I want to just have my mum and my dad and that be a thing. Like, But it wasn't. We grew up co-parent. We grew up with our mums. And, our, you know, the men have to really step up. The men in every community, especially the black community, need to really, really fix up. And obviously there are other races where people don't grow up with their fathers and their fathers are not around. And, um, you know, as elders, we need to show the kids, the young boys, you can love a girl. Like, you can love one girl. You don't have to run around and be a player. Like, the only reason that we we had this mentality as men, and I'll speak from a younger Jerome, not now, that we only know what was told by the older generation, back to my same point, going full circle, that, yeah, man, go on, just sleep with loads of women, and yeah, man, like, through our peers, like, yeah, man, don't love that girl, and yeah, just all this stuff. So we've been trained and taught and brought up to disrespect women. So, you know, we just, it's like disposable, but we shouldn't. We should be able to appreciate and love and respect the woman. And just because I have 12 sisters, like, that relationship with them and getting close to them and knowing the other side of it has made me respect women even more. I've always respected women, but even more, I'm like, wow, you know what? I've got to change my whole approach to, if I want that unit, i got to even just, you know, be selective with the type of females that I have around me, with the type of females that I even sleep with um, and not be a slave to your hormones. It's easier said than done. But this is just like, we've got to learn now. We've got, we can't just keep making the same mistake and expecting a different result. That's insanity. So... I really want to help and be part of it. I ain't got all the answers. I ain't got all the solutions. I don't know every single thing in the world. But I'm going to speak my piece and just see what happens. It's me. It's Jerome from the Desire to Inspire podcast. Love.